Lord, I pray that uh, for the duration of this sermon that you'll just be with me and uh, be with the crowd. Uh, It's your breath in our lungs, Lord. Uh, I pray that you will use me uh, to just pour out your praise today, Lord. Uh, All these things I pray in your name. Amen. Okay. Riddle me this. Do you think you're strong? Now, I don't need any heads nodding or shaking. I just want you to hold your answer in your head. Do you think you're strong? Now, I'm sure I can guess what most of you are thinking. This is a trick question. He obviously wants me to say no. That's probably what this sermon is about, right? Was I close? Well, I'll give you this. You're half right. But it's not y'all's fault. I should have started with a different question, a much harder question that makes the first one very easy to answer. Y'all ready? What does it mean to be strong? When you try to think of someone you would describe as strong, who is the first person that pops into your head? Is it Hercules? The Hulk? Mr. Incredible? They are definitely the first people I think of. And that makes sense, right? These are larger-than-life heroes, each legends in their own right, known for the immense physical strength that they possess. So, yes, these heroes are definitely strong. And, believe it or not, the Bible has a hero that also has that same larger-than-life strength. Are you all familiar with the story of Samson? The final judge of the Israelites? The man of unparalleled strength and uncut locks of hair? the terrifying wielder of a donkey's jawbone. Those titles ringing any bells? Well, for those of y'all that don't remember, I'll give you a short summary of Samson's life. Samson was born to a man named Manoah and his wife, who was childless until the angel of the Lord came down and told her that she would have a son. The angel said to her, Now see to it that you drink no wine or other fermented drink, and that you do not eat anything unclean. He also said, your son's head is never to be touched by a razor, because the boy is to be a Nazarite, dedicated to God from the womb. Then, as these things happen, nine months later, Samson was born. The Bible then immediately jumps into many of Samson's incredible feats. In the first, he was walking to simultaneously meet and marry a girl he had just seen on the street when a lion jumped out at him. Then it says, he tore the lion in half like a piece of paper. In Samson's next feat of strength, he single-handedly struck down 30 men for their clothes. In his next one, he went out and caught 300 foxes and tied them tail to tail in pairs. Then he attached a burning torch to each pair of foxes and let them run through the Philistines' standing grain. After that, when the Philistines tried to take Samson prisoner, he picked up the, do- the jawbone of a donkey that he just found lying around and struck down a thousand men. Then another night, he ripped the doors off the gates of the city, post and all, and carried them off into the night. He didn't set them down. Oh, no, he carried them off into the night. Anyway, y'all get the picture. The point I'm trying to make is that Samson is a really strong guy capable of doing things we could only dream of. 
The only difference between him and Bruce Banner is that Samson's strength was God-given instead of Gamma-given. Now, I'm sure at this point, you may be wondering where I'm going with this. Yes, we get it. Samson is strong, and we're not. Well, yes, Samson was strong, and his strength protected him from numerous dangerous situations. But in the end, his strength was not enough to save him. In chapter 16, we learn that Samson falls in love with a woman named Delilah. When the rulers of the Philistines learned this, they went to her, and they offered her a massive amount of money if she could find out how Samson could be weakened. And so she went to him and said, Tell me the secret of your great strength and how you can be tied up and subdued. A pretty obvious trap, right? Well, Samson thought so too. So he lied to her, telling her that if she bound him with seven fresh bowstrings, then he would become as weak as any other man. When this did not work, Delilah asked him again, and again he lied to her. This continued a few more times until finally Delilah was just fed up with it. The Bible says she nagged and prodded him for days until finally he couldn't stand it. He told her the secret to his strength. And that night, his head was shaved and his strength left him. He had been taken prisoner. Now, how does a story like that apply to us? Well, when you boil it down to its most base form, Samson's strength was just another gift from God, albeit an incredibly powerful gift. But hasn't the Lord blessed us with each of our own wonderful gifts? 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 4 illustrates this point very well. It says, There are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit distributes them. So, though you may not be able to rip doors off of their posts, each of you have numerous God-given gifts that he has bestowed upon you. And that makes you strong, like Samson. Just don't go trying to rip off the doors of the church as you're leaving. Jimmy and Raymond would not like that when they got back. But you are strong. So when we look at the story of Samson, we need to realize that we are capable of doing great things, just like him. But in the same way, now that we know we have this God-given strength, we need to realize that we are capable of making the same mistakes. Now, Samson was an incredible warrior for God. That is undeniable. Everything he did furthered God's plan. But in the end, Samson was still human, and in that way, he became a victim to the temptations of the world. Now, I don't think it's a stretch to say that Samson thought he was invincible. I mean, think about it. A young lion, brimming with power and ferocity, sprung at him. And what did he do? He didn't even flinch. Boxing champions all over the world flinch when they see that punch coming. And why shouldn't they? When they flinch, it means they are anticipating pain and they are bracing themselves for it. But Samson never flinched, right? He was so sure of his power that he held no fear that the lion could hurt him for all its claws and fangs. But on whose account did Samson think he was invincible? Was it God's account? Or was it his own? 
If we take a look back at Samson's feats of strength from earlier, we might just find the answer. When Samson encountered the lion, he was on his way to simultaneously meet and marry a girl that he had never even talked to before, displaying a level of confidence I can't even imagine. So, obviously, this is a man used to getting his way. When Samson struck down the men, he did it out of anger, and he took their clothes to settle a bet he had made with some of the Philistines during his wedding week. When he tied the foxes together and latched burning torches to their tails, all this he did as an act of revenge for a wrong that he felt they had done against him. And when he struck down the thousand with the jawbone and tore the gate doors from their posts, this just further strengthened his belief that he was invincible. And with good reason, too. Samson practically was invincible, seeing as how every trap laid for him by the Philistines failed miserably. But it is clear that somewhere along the way, Samson no longer gave credit to God for his incredible strength. He had come to accept his strength and his accomplishments as his own and not God's. And who wouldn't? I mean, it was Samson's hands that gripped the jawbone and tore the lion in half. It was Samson's arms that ripped the doors from their post. He was the one striking man after man down, not God. And so he believed that his power was his own. See, that's what the world tells us. The world will say to you, you did this on your own. You are strong on your own. You have power on your own. Now, once we believe these things, that is when we most often fall prey to temptation. If you want to look on your bulletin, uh, James chapter 1, verses 13 through 17 illustrates this just perfectly for me. It says, when tempted, no one should say, God is tempting me. For God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. But each person is tempted when they are dragged away by their own evil desire and enticed. Then, after desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin. And sin, when full grown, gives birth to death. Don't be deceived, my dear brothers and sisters. For every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of the heavenly lights, who does not change like shifting shadows. Now Samson was dragged away through the misconception that his strength was his own. And that led to him falling deeper into temptation until finally he was undone. Now, I have struggled with this too, as I'm sure everyone else has at some point in their lives. In the world we live in, it can become so easy to think that the talents that we have are our own. We are the ones in the weight room, so what strength we have, we, we took that ourselves, right? We are the ones working after hours, so that promotion we got, we got that ourselves. But we didn't, did we? It's even easier to think that we are invincible in one way or another. In sports, it often comes when you beat a difficult opponent, one you were supposed to lose to. At work, it comes when you make that impossible sale or you complete that project way ahead of schedule. In school, it comes when we are the only ones that score well on a difficult test. And oh boy, do we feel good about ourselves. 
we build ourselves up to be these underdog champions. David, who slayed the giant. And we become untouchable. Because we did it ourselves, right? Wrong. The same thing happened with Samson, and such confidence led to his downfall. Now, I have spent the last three, I've spent the last week wondering why Samson told Delilah the source of his strength. I mean, the first three times that he told her what his weakness was, he woke up bound by that exact same thing that he had described. At some point, you have to realize this girl is out to get you. And yet he told her something that was so obviously a trap. And yet he told her. So why? It seems to me that in the end, Samson forgot where his strength came from. In verse 20 of chapter 16, it says, Like before, Delilah called out, Samson, the Philistines are upon you. And Samson awoke from his strength, from his sleep, and thought, I'll go out as I did before and shake myself free. But he did not know that the Lord had left him. He didn't know that the Lord had left him. He told Delilah how to weaken him. And yet he was so confident that his strength was his own that he didn't know the Lord had left him. We all know how the story goes from there. Samson, now just a regular man, is seized by the Philistines, blinded, and he becomes their prisoner. What happened is terrible. Yes, our weakest moments always are. And the same thing happens to us, right? When we beat that unbeatable team, we are on cloud nine. But when we lose our next game to a team we so easily should have beaten, we come crashing down from our pedestals. The world sets us up for the fall. But do you want to know what is so good about those moments? Sure, we strayed. We got overconfident. The world took advantage of that, tempted us with victory, and then threw us into the jaws of defeat. But even so, God uses those moments. He takes advantage of our fall, no matter how many times we have fallen before, and says, remember, I am here with you. You don't have to do it alone. And he says the same thing to Samson. After Samson was taken prisoner, the rulers of the Philistines held a massive celebration to give thanks to their God for their victory over their enemy. And in their confidence, they called for Samson to be brought out to entertain them. And when Samson got there, he asked the servant guiding him to let him feel the pillars supporting the temple so that he could lean on them too. And then he prayed. It was a simple prayer. It's quite short, actually. He said, Lord, remember me. Please, God, just strengthen me once more. And do you know what happened? He did. In that moment, Samson realized what strength he had. It came from God. And so he asked God for that strength, the strength that he had lost. And God gave it back. Wasn't expecting that. Whew. Now, 
I've spent most of this sermon talking about our strength of body because that kind of strength is so obvious. It's so relatable. But let me say now that how strong we are has so much more to do with us than our bodies. We can be strong mentally. We can be strong-willed. How we resist temptation is a strength. How we worship is a strength. Anything that we can use to glorify God is a strength. When those low moments come, because they will, and we feel like we can't do it on our own, just remember that you weren't meant to. Lean on God. That is where your strength is. Our strength is with God, and God is our strength. I asked you earlier if you thought you were strong. Remember how I said um, that if you said you were weak, you were only half right? Well, I stand by that. By ourselves, we are weak. We will give in to temptation. We will fall down. That is a fact. But when God is with us, we are strong. He will give us that incredible Samson-like strength when we need it. And he has, hasn't he? I'd like to end this morning with a few examples that I can only view as superhuman, God-given strength. The first one is one I'm sure y'all have heard before, though probably not in detail. In 1982, a young man named Tony Cavallo was repairing a 1964 Chevy Impala from underneath it. He had propped the vehicle up with a couple of jacks, but while he was below it, the jacks fell and he was trapped underneath. His mother, Angela Cavallo, who was home at the time of the incident, heard him yelling and quickly ran to get help. She then proceeded to lift the Chevy Impala long enough and high enough by herself, I might add, while two of her neighbors replaced the jacks and then pulled Tony out from under the car. Now, for those of y'all that don't realize just how hard this feat might be, I'm, I'm going to give y'all my own experience trying to lift a car. Spoiler alert, it has a much less impressive ending. I was probably 11 at the time, and I was at a week-long camp. We were going down to the river to swim, and one of the camp counselors offered to give some campers a ride in his pickup truck. Now, everyone was so excited because we were going to ride in the back of a real pickup instead of walking, because walking, that's for 10-year-olds. Then a curious voice yelled out, hey, let's see if we can pick the truck up. There's a good chance that voice was mine. And so three of the campers, myself included, and two camp counselors all squeezed together at the back of the bed. We put our hands under the bumper, and we heaved with all our might. And guess what? We managed to lift it a few inches, and I could feel my chest just puffing out with pride. It wasn't until later that I was told the tires hadn't even left the ground. We were just lifting what a little bit of the truck's suspension was supporting. Now, yes, I know that I was 11 at the time and therefore not very strong. I wasn't the muscle man that I so obviously am right now. But it is common knowledge that three 11-year-olds put together have as much strength as the common mother, though they tend to deny it. And on top of that, we had two 18-year-old male counselors with us. So, put together, we definitely had more muscle than Mrs. Cavallo. And we couldn't make it 
not enough for you? Maybe Mrs. Cavallo's feat of strength wasn't impressive enough. Makes sense. After all, we've got guys like Ricky that go to this church. I mean, I'll bet you Ben Chevy and Paul is just when you're working out, don't you? Yeah. All right, then I'll do you one better. In 2006, outside a small town in Quebec, a woman named Lydia Angiou, hope I got that right, saved several children from a polar bear attack by fighting the polar bear. And this wasn't for a short time either. She continuously went toe-to-toe with this bear until a local hunter was able to take care of it. Now, I don't know about y'all, but I'm picturing a woman kind of dressed up like Davy Crockett, you know, with the coon skin hat and all that, interlocking fingers with the bear and having a staring match while they struggled back and forth. Maybe she threw in a couple wrestling moves, WWE style, gave him a couple roundhouse kicks, and then whipped out some martial art no one's ever even heard of. Okay, so maybe my imagination got the better of me. But just the thought of fighting off a polar bear is so incredible to me. I mean, I couldn't do it. Do you think you could? For a little bit of background, let me just explain how daunting polar bears really are. When the bears are on all fours, they range from four feet to five feet and a couple inches. So to about here on me. When they stand up on their hind legs, they can range anywhere from 6 feet to 10 feet tall, so to about right uh, there on me. They are the largest omnivore on land and the largest bear to boot. And don't even get me started on their weight. Polar bears can weigh anywhere from 800 to 1,500 pounds, while most polar bears on average weigh a total of about 1,000 pounds. Ladies and gentlemen, we've left the heavyweight division. And Lydia went toe-to-toe with that. One right hook from that bear, and any normal person would have been done for. But that wasn't the case with her. Not only did she go toe-to-toe with that bear, she held her own. I'll tell you what, though. These incredible women probably hadn't done anything like this before, And I doubt that they've done anything like this since. They were just ordinary people, like you and like me. So what made them different? I imagine it was two things, both easy to say and hard to practice. First, they probably said a silent prayer, and I'll bet it went a little something like this. Lord, give me Strength. That's it. Four words. They probably didn't have time for much more than that. It's a prayer I've prayed many times, though I have to say I never got quite as good results. And why is that? Well, it's probably due to the second thing that these women did. They had faith. They didn't think... Oh boy, I hope he heard me. They didn't have time to think. They just started moving and trusted that the Lord would handle the rest. And guess what? He did. And God gave them more than just the strength to lift the impala or fight the bear. He gave them the gift of courage so that they wouldn't run in the face of their challenges. He also gave them the strength to keep going to continue lifting that car, to continue fighting that bear. 
I'll bet their muscles were screaming. I'll bet the great tempter was whispering in their ears, that's it. You've done enough. Let go. It would have been so easy to stop. But they didn't. And that is the real strength that God provides. The strength to keep going. If you take nothing else away from this sermon, I want you to remember this. Though you may be weak, and though you may be tempted by this world, with Christ, you are strong. Will you pray with me? Lord, we come to you today a bunch of weak people so desperately in need of you. Lord, we cannot stand up to the world. We don't have the power to do that on our own. And that is why we need you, Lord. We need you to come and be with us and to give us the strength that we lack so that we might stand and praise your name. God, as we go forward uh, in these next couple days and in these upcoming weeks, what with the state of the world right now and everything that's going on, we need strength more than ever, Lord. We need you. Lord, I pray that you will be with us as we walk our paths as we as we leave here, I pray that you will just give us the strength to face each battle day to day. All these things I pray in your name, Lord. Amen.